Right, hello everyone and welcome to this Man On special. Um, you probably realised already this season we've been quite quiet in terms of Sky content. Um, we've been focused on FPL for, for most of our pods, but we, we did want to try and get some Sky content out. And I think me and Benno mainly last season did some, some differing pods, we say, different from the normal Sky pods. For me, um, that was my first season playing Sky last year. Benno's second season, so obviously we both moved on a year now. Uh, Benno did really well in his second season, finished like top 50. So that's my plan this year to try and replicate him in my second season. <laughs> We're hoping to do a few more pods, a bit like we did last year, not talking about players as such, but about strategies and, and things like that. So yeah, looking forward to this, Benno. It's your main game, isn't it? Unlike me with FPL, this is actually your main game. So Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm not playing FPL this year. Um I want to focus in on this game. Um, I'm playing three games this year um, and Sky's going to be my main focus. So, yeah, just want to see if last year was a fluke, really, uh, or whether it's something I'm actually doing that's right and seeing if we can get anywhere near a finish that I got last season. What was your ranking pre-season one, roughly? Oh, massive. I think I finished about 2,000th in the first season, um, getting to trying to get to grips with the game. Um and finished 36 last year. So what, what was your finish in your first Yeah, 1,800 and something, I think. There you go. So um, far off where you were in your first season. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, just going to see if um, if I can make good that really. See if I can finish top 100 again, I'll be over the moon uh, if I could do that. So let's see what we can learn. We'll, we'll talk for a few, we've both got a few notes written down on, on, on things we can learn. Uh, I, I suppose that the, the first thing to start on is what worked well for, for both of us. Um, yeah. in terms of I suppose tactics and strategy more than anything else so I'll, I'll go first um, I think the main thing I found the, the, the two areas where I did best was one when I picked fairly defensive players so for me I'm obviously been used to playing FPL for sort of 10-15 years and there's certain types of players that are expected to do well mainly the attacking players for obvious reasons FPL isn't a game that suits DMs or players that do the dirty work, shall we say. And I had Declan Rice for a fair chunk of last year, was quite good for getting tackles, passes, sometimes both, occasional goals. Rodri, I had for a bit of last year, um, tackles, passes, sometimes, a bit, or more often than Rice, a bit of both, and strangely, quite a few more goals as well. So that was my one big learning, not to shy away from players that are perceived to be quite defensive. There's obviously a lot more this year. We'll get on to maybe a couple of them we'll touch on later, but DMs aren't to be feared in this game. Um, and two, not... It kind of fits into what I did right and what I did wrong. I, I fluctuated strategy between first half and second half. First half, I was quite cautious and loaded up transfers for the second half. We'll get on to this in more detail later. But the second half, I then started to blow transfers on two for ones, three for twos, three for ones, but on teams and players who were very risky. And yeah, yeah. most of the time they didn't deliver. It would be like Brentford players or Everton players or, or things like that. And a lot of the time it, they kept getting two off, like three lots of two for the player I took out who got one lot of six and you basically not gained anything on the transfer. So I think that the things I did well were playing it fairly fairly straight batted I would say in the first half and I put I thought I was in quite a good position strangely I had more transfers left than the majority going into the after the second overhaul last year and somehow I got a worse rank I dropped in rank despite having more transfers left so that shows how yeah, bad yeah. I did with all those transfers mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my two things keep playing it straight for longer and not be sort of tricked into these three for one four for two combinations for, for teams and players that aren't worth it and picking players that are maybe not fashionable in, in FPL. I think they're the two things I'm going to try and keep going with in, in season two. Yourself? Yeah. Um, I think a few things, really. I think I was quite lucky in latching on to some of the players that kind of hit the ground running. So Bernardo Silva had that little patch, didn't he? Kind of two-thirds two of the way in, half the way through the season. I had him for all of that. I got onto Saka early when he was obviously a place to pick. So I think I I think it was more luck rather than design, really. I think I just um I, I watched quite a lot of football last last season. Um so I think I kind of 
just like the look of some players and I went in for them or looked to see what positions they were playing, um, the silver and sack and things like that. I think I jumped on them quite early, so I was quite lucky with that. Um, bit different to you. I was kind of, I, I kind of took more risks early on. So I think I really benefited from the fact that there was an overhaul after four weeks. Um, I used transfers pre-overhaul. Most people were saying, you know, don't use transfers, just sort your team out for four weeks. Pre-first. Yeah. yeah. So I think I used two or three um, pre-overhaul. Um, I made some early decisions. Like I went, I went with Aubameyang and he didn't really do much last season, but I kind of got him on a little patch where he actually did do a little bit. Um, but I think, I think mainly um, I benefited from the style that I played in. I played quite aggressive. Um, in the end, slightly too aggressive. But I think um, I think I quickly got into the top three hundred, and I didn't leave. I didn't leave the top three hundred all season. Um, I peaked in seventh, and then ultimately I ran out of transfers. So I just went over the curve in terms of transfer use. I I think I played out the last two or three game weeks with no transfers, so I had a bit of a dead team um, going into the last week. Um, going into last week, I think I was 70-odd and I had a really good last week and finished 36. Um, I think the pinnacle was going Sun over, over Kane. So when Sun got that hat-trick, I can't remember who it was against. I don't know if you remember. Quite late on in the season. Yeah, you were taking a piss. Against Villa. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was against Villa, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so I went, I went Kane, uh, I went Sun Cap that week and, and I, that's when I finished seventh. I was up seventh in that week. Um, and at that point, I thought, you know, I could win this. Um, what didn't go so well, um, I kind of burnt transfers in and out in some Chelsea players towards Touch the end. Him, that was a brave move on Sun because he was a forward, wasn't he, last year? So it was, it was everyone yeah. wanted Kane over Sun because they thought, not that he was in the wrong position, Sun, but yeah, bearing in mind they're equal points, you, the assumption was Kane was better. So I, he, think, at, I think at that point... Um, and I wasn't the only one. I was chatting to you know one or two people that are up there, including Dave Gull, who finished second. I think a lot, a lot of us or people were thinking, where's the you know where's the kind of edge that we're going to get now? I think a lot because a lot most people would have been on Kane. We're thinking, well, we can go Son, and then if Son goes off, the, the upside of, of that could be huge. Um, and so it proved to be. Um, and then it, and then at one point I had all three. I had Kulusevski, Kane, and, and Son. So that worked really well as well towards the end. Um, so I think just making some kind of a bit like you said, going for unfashionable players. What's great about this game is that it brings into play all those different types of players. It's the one thing that I wished FPL was. Not, unlike you, I only, I've only played FPL for about five, six seasons. So I haven't really got that kind of long-term rank to preserve. I know a lot of people have been playing it for a long, long time. And, and I know yourself have got, you know, decent long-term rank. Whereas I haven't really got that affiliation with the game. So when I was playing it early doors, I was thinking like, I did all the newbie mistakes, like having Kante thinking, oh, he's good, he's five million or whatever. <laughs> um, and obviously didn't do anything in FPL. But that's the kind of player that could that could that really benefits from the from the, the way that the points are scored in Sky. And I think it just it just brings into play all those different types of players. And and you could argue really that the the kind of the best players to have really are defenders. And I think we'll come to that. Um, the most solid players to have in terms of accumulating points every week are, are your defenders. I think the main thing, we've touched on it a bit there, I was quite defensive in reserving transfers, thinking, oh, if I, if I can get to sort of a thousand and have loads of transfers left, yeah. then I'll make a late run where you went the other way and went for the front running nature. You burnt, not burnt them, but used transfers up early, got into a strong early position and tried to hold yeah. on. I never really got, I know my the transfers I made obviously didn't help, but I never really felt like I was making significant ground. I, I'd gain 150 places one week, lose 200 the next, and then it, that would continue. And I was jumping between sort of 1,500 and 2,500 like all the time. And I never felt like I got on a run of, I suppose you call them green arrows in FPL. I never got on that run of 15 to 13 to 11 to 9 to 7 and, and jumping through that way. And it, I, I just, even though I had transfers, I never felt like I was gaining anything. And what was it because I was then... Because I had so many transfers to burn, was I then taking too many punts? Because I had to use the transfers. I knew I had to make ground. So then was I taking out well-owned players or safe players, if you want to call it that? Because yeah. I knew I weren't going to make ground by a captain the same as everyone else. So not only do you have more transfers left, 
is that enough just to have the transfers to, to rotate your fringe players? But me, because I had so much ground to make up, I was then picking road captains. I was then transferring out. I don't think I owned Salah barely at all last year, which seems absolutely outrageous now. Yeah. But he was he was very expensive. He was FPL mindset. Oh, hang on. He's out of position in this game. He's They've got him priced as a forward. He's not really a forward. He's a, I suppose he's a forward. He's a forward right, isn't he? But he's not a centre yeah. forward. And I thought, well, I can take Salah on in this game. You've got all these, you've got your Van Dyke to Trent Alexander-Arnold's who are going to get tears every game. If Salah scores one, that's not really that many points in Sky, where defenders can get equal that points, Sally, just by getting a clean sheet. And I think if Liverpool have got a good game, I'll just captain Van Dyke, keep a clean sheet and get passing tears, he'll match Salah. And it never really worked yeah. out like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, obviously, we talk, people talk about effective ownership in all fantasy games. And I think um, in, in this game, I think he did bear out but I think I think people talk about template effective ownership these players are highly owned because they're the ones that scored the most points aren't they so if you can make if you can make it work by having players around them it's it's probably more optimal than trying to make it work without not having that player I think and trying to pick other players instead um so yeah I think um in terms of transfer usage I think um yeah people played in one of two two ways that either hold up transfers based on the fact they want to make a rush towards the end, they might get more information around things like doubles or not that doubles really count in, in, in Sky, but perhaps more information about decent games that come through. Um, yeah, whereas others might be kind of a bit more kind of high octane with the use of transfers. So um, I mentioned Dave again because he's kind of more the, the way I played it. He was kind of high octane with his transfers, but more sensible than I was because he had some towards the end, whereas I didn't. Um, I was just... On just on the other side of kind of over overly aggressive, probably in terms of transfer usage. Um, I think you can, but yeah, they're, they're the two ways. Wait, really, transfers. It wasn't even for captains. I was because I had so many left. I think I'll get a three for one on this player, but I never captained them. And I'd probably bypass some weeks earlier in the year where I kind of knew going into it, I didn't have the best captain, but I, I knew I'll oh, hang on, but I'll be holding the transfer. I'll need that later. Yeah, I think the, the two things, there's, there's a, big, a big mindset around the way that you plan. That This game is big for planning, so kind of medium-term to long-term planning is probably quite advantageous in this game, with the caveat that you might need to kind of adjust as you go through. Obviously, things can't always be as you plan them in three or four months' time, whatever. Um, perhaps that's a bit long, but you know what I mean? Medium-term planning is, is kind of quite effective in this game. And what we're seeing was, is people like um, saying things like, Oh, I've planned up to Christmas, and I'm only going to use four or five transfers. They're only I'm only going to plan to use four or five transfers. To me, that was kind of counter to the way I wanted to play. I, I was a bit more like plan to be aggressive. So still plan, do some heavy planning, but plan to be aggressive. Plan to you know use transfers along the way um, with a bid to kind of get points on the board. Because I think if you leave it too long, the the weight of points on the board is. Is difficult. Then after, like you say, then you then you are having to make those kind of big rogue decisions to chase captains or you know do block defenses or block moves on teams just to kind of try and claw several hundred points. I, back. I let so many points go. Like um, I, I never owned a really good Chelsea defender in that big run. Um, I don't know James or Chilwell once. Obviously, they was of the mindset again. Probably I focused too much on players that were guaranteed. Well, not guaranteed, but we're more likely to get tears. For a defender, I was thinking, what's more likely to happen? Reese James gets an attacking return or Rudiger gets a clean sheet and passing tears. And I, I was of the mindset, get the defender with the tears. That's the way to play the game. And the attacking returns won't be that frequent for the attacking defenders. And But they kept coming, didn't they? Chilwell and James had their little streak. Um, yeah. And, and things like that. And I, I kept getting stung by the quite high ownership, I think, those sort of players. I, I had the wrong players. I kept persevering with Christensen for a while as my Chelsea defender, thinking he was going to play and he just didn't get picked again. Um, thinking he would cover all of the Chelsea wing-backs and say, not only did he not cover him, he didn't play most of the time. And I, I hung on with him too long because I didn't want to use the transfer up. I think even looking at game week one last year was, if I remember rightly, Adam Webster from Brighton was like, seen as the ultimate cheap defender was he like seven million which I think the whole game thought was too cheap and didn't he get injured like 20 minutes into game week one or something <laughs> can't remember but yeah I think that happened and I didn't take him out I thought it's only two more he's going to miss two games I'll just play with 10 men for them two games I don't want to use a transfer on him 
And it, this year, it looks like it's going to be Christian Romero. Is that player? Was he seven point eight or something? Yeah, yeah. He's in a lot of teams. He's in, he's in one of my teams. He might he's been different this year. We haven't got that first overhaul, so there's obviously not that need to to wait. So if he does yeah. get the game week one this year, you'll make the transfer and get him out straight away because there's no point holding him. But last year, I've got. I stuck with Webster for two game weeks, knowing he wasn't going to play because I didn't want to use the transfer. And I, I, I was just too defensive, too negative, thinking that transfers were... I think I, I just got into the game with the mindset that transfers are essential. You, they're so precious, you can't waste them. So one yeah. week without a Brighton defender, is that the end of the world? I, I sort of told myself. And do, if, do I want this player in? Yeah, but the player I've got is not a bad one, so I'll just hold. When deep down, yeah. I kind of knew I wanted the other one. But again... Precious transfer won't do it, and I think that's my main sort of learning this year. I think I will be a bit more, a bit more like you, maybe a bit more like Dave, hopefully than than like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you want you want the fine balance, don't you? But um, I think there's a couple of things there. I think obviously now the transfers have gone up from forty to fifty, so that's going to be have a big impact on on mentality. I'm I'm sitting here wondering whether that benefits a player like me. Or whether it's a hindrance. I wonder if that means that players that are a bit more kind of cautious, like yourself, might go right. I'm going to plan to be more aggressive, knowing that there's that those ten extra transfers, or whether they'll struggle to break that that mindset and think, oh, I'll have even more towards the end, um, and it might benefit me more in that I won't run out of transfers for three weeks to go, but I can still be aggressive. Um, but coming back to what you said, I think I think it's. In this game, templates do form, and I think that um, it is quite a template game. But that doesn't mean you can't be kind of you can't be aggressive around that. And um, I think, yeah, if you pick the wrong player, you shouldn't feel too worried about just jump, joining in with the template. I think for for a while, um, with captaincy and things like that, captaincy every game day, there's more than enough scope to kind of manoeuvre certain things around a template to kind of get get an edge. And I know I talked about one of the key things that I used last season was be aggressive on Saturdays. That was one of my mantras because obviously you have your single game days where you know you're going to be capping a certain player. It's going to be, if Man City are playing at home against the weak side, let's say last season, overwhelmingly Cancelo was going to be captain. People might have only had Cancelo in the team and just Cancelo was going to be your captain. And that was that. Um, and so those things, you can't really afford to not be on that template or most of the time. But on a Saturday where you've got seven or eight players playing, sometimes I would take that risk to go, right, I'm going to go Saka as captain over uh, Salah or whatever if Salah was away from home. And sometimes that would work, sometimes it wouldn't. And I think that's where you kind of get the edge around the way that you um, use a template team. Um, so, yeah, that there's that. Really. Game week one, well, that's... You, someone like Callum Wilson, do you start with him this year, captain in game week one against Nottingham Forest? He's, it's possible. I'm not saying people will do it, but... Is that the sort of thing you'd be willing to do? Take on Salah against Fulham with Well, it's interesting this year in that there isn't that overhaul, that that safety blanket in that in that week four. So for some people last last year, that was a kind of a, a chance to not use any transfers, get to 34 games left and have 40 transfers. For someone like me, it was it was a chance to go, you know what? I think I went like with three or four Aston Villa players. I don't know if you remember, because I think they had a decent start last year um in terms of fixtures. And I yeah, went quite heavy on Aston. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> went quite heavy on Aston Villa players. I don't think it quite worked out, but I think one or two other things worked. I think I had Aubameyang either just before or just after overhaul and planted just in and out him. Um, for the way that I was thinking, it was like, great, I'm gonna, I can attack these first four weeks. I can use two or three transfers. I'll still have more transfers than game weeks left, and I might be able to go off to a good start. And I think it kind of did really, and I kind of went from there. So, wait, you haven't really, you, you're not really afforded that this year. So um, people are going to have to start thinking about how to, how kind of patient template they want to be, how risk averse they want to be, knowing that if you make too many big gun home mistakes early doors, that's, um, you know, you could be you could be behind and you, your team could be all over the place in terms of price point messes and all that kind of stuff quite, quite, quite soon. Um, personally, um, just as another kind of strategy thing, I'm pointing in my mind, I'm setting aside five transfers if I need to use them. I'm not saying I'm definitely going to use them. Setting aside five transfers early doors to to make to make necessary changes because clearly I'm not going to pick the right enablers. I'd be very if I had two enablers in my side, yeah, I'd be very lucky, very lucky if they're the right ones. So if I have to make make a move to just get 
read too often, just even if it's on a Saturday, whatever, I'll just do it, you know? So if I start with Morgan Gibbs-White, which is in one of my teams, and he doesn't prove to be the player that we think he could be playing up front for Wolves, I'll move to whoever's nailed in, in Nottingham Forest uh, midfield. Do you know what I mean? I was definitely guilty of that last year, of not making Saturday transfers, because I always wanted to make feel like I got the extra game out of someone. So I was always looking at the jump-off point, well, that player's a Saturday, then I can get him off there because there's a player I actually want for him and he's playing the Sunday. Yeah. But that meant usually holding a player two weeks too long or something. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to kind of maximise the amount of games you get from your transfers, but... Um, Not the detriment of two bad games just because you want that... Exactly, exactly, or because you just know you need to make that move and you're worried that uh, you might be thinking, well, I'm going to get an extra game out of that other player, but the play, the, the game that you're missing out on the other players, like, I don't know, Bournemouth at home or whatever, then you just make that jump because you, 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 you're trying to... Firstly, you want that player, you want the upside of the fixture that they've got on that Saturday and it might just make sense to, to just do it there and then. So that, that's one thing that I did against the grain, if you like. Lots of people talking about, oh, you only make moves on a Sunday, chaining moves together. Yeah, that is good. And if you can make it work, then that's optimal because you get more game time, you get more you know plays on the pitch. But it shouldn't be a rigid rule. I think you, if you need to do a move on a Saturday, you do it. And I think um, Saturdays is what it's all about, I think. Rogue captains making the odd transfer, um, that kind of runs counter to what how people feel they should play the game. Maybe I got lucky. I've already been tested that. this year because I say one of my rules should be not rules, but one of the things I should learn from is not mess around with premium players. So in my original draft at the moment, I've got Salah and Van Dyke for Liverpool. I'm already obviously I can't captain both game week one, and Salah's the, the, the obvious captain I think from that Saturday against Fulham. So I'm now telling myself they don't play till the Monday in game week two. So there's a lot of teams that play twice before Liverpool play a second game. Now, do I lose Van Dijk as an example? I'm going to captain Salah, so I own him fine. Van Dijk, do I need him for Fulham away? Fulham could score in that game. Um, I think they'll go for it because they're so depleted and weak that there's no point trying to hang on for the nil-nil. It's not going to happen. So would I just it's a Marco Silva team. That could end up like 5-2 to Liverpool or something that first week game. Yeah. And I'm looking at other teams with two, like Villa being a good example, two fairly good games, Bournemouth and Everton. Now, last year, this would be typical of me to pick the Villa player to start with, with two games, get two lots of two points against Bournemouth and Everton, Diego Carlos, someone like that. And then I wanted Van Dijk anyway, then moved to Van Dijk for that Monday night game against um, Crystal Palace at the end of game week two, and Van Dijk just gets six against Fulham. But yeah. in my head, I'm already telling myself, oh, there's a two for one there. I don't, do I be aggressive and not start with Van Dijk? It doesn't even have to be a defender. I could be a striker and leave myself open to going back. I could get Wilson to move him to Van Dijk, couldn't I? Play yeah. him for two games, Forrest and Brighton. So I'm already testing myself with something I should have learned from last year not to do this. But I'm already yeah. looking at it again as, as a possible <laughs> strategy that someone with two games is, is better than Van Dijk and then do the move after but I shouldn't do it with premium teams. It should be my learning, but... Yeah. Well, this is it, isn't it? This is where the, the games won and lost. These are the, the decisions that, that you make. Um, um, but I don't think the terminal, if you make a mistake either, you know, if you did it with every transfer, then of course it would be. But um, yeah, some people will be making those decisions, making taking risks early doors. Um, I'm kind of thinking I might play a little bit more conservatively to start with, uh, with my main side. I've got a bit more of a risky attitude with my set. I've got a bit of a plan of action for my B team. I know, of course, that B team could become my my first team. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I can see myself. One of the things I was going to say was that this run-up until the World Cup represents 42% of the, the season, um, which is, you know, not an insignificant chunk of the season. And I kind of look at it like this. You've got two You've got two periods where you've got unlimited transfers. You've got now, before the game starts, and then you've got the overhaul uh, during the World Cup. What are you more likely to get right in terms of a team, in terms of um, nailing the right players? I'd like to think overhaul. Exactly. So based on that, um, even though 42% of the game is 21 transfers, if you want to, you know, offset against the 50 transfers you've got. I'm probably inclined to say that if I was to use half my transfers by halfway, not that I want to, I'm not planning on going crazy and doing it for the sake of it, 
then I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And this is why I'm saying that if I earmarked four or five or even six transfers to go, you know what, if I make a mistake early doors, if I get the wrong enablers, if my team structure is all over the place because I've picked the wrong enablers, then I'm just going to smash five or six transfers early doors. And uh, then it's 30 by overhaul, if I'm being honest, because everyone's going to have a template of five or six is going to be formed during the overhaul, mm. including probably most of the captains. And I found myself in a position last year, I was 200 points behind with loads of extra transfers, but it, it didn't get me. Because the players that were the good players, everyone owned in front of me. So I was never going to gain by owning them as well. So yeah, I, yeah. I think the front running strategy is actually better. Obviously, you can't overdo it. You've got to hold some transfers back. But There is a small caveat to what I've just said, though, in that you've got um, the January transfer window and you've also got the World Cup that's just happened in terms of injuries and things like that and form um, that can come into play. So obviously, that is also a big factor. So even though we'll know more about the players that are nailed and things like that, who's playing well, who's in what, you know, if some of these early doors players like like Fafana's on about going to Chelsea. You know, we don't know who's going to play for Leicester or not. Hopefully some of those things will be ironed out by that point. So you're more informed in terms of your pick. But then there is also that. There's the kind of aftermath of the World Cup, the January transfer window, and the fact that you've got 58% of the fixtures after that. So I just think it's quite interesting, though. I think... Um, I suppose yeah. teams go deep at the World Cup, right? There's a good chance they might not play the first one or two game weeks after. Yeah. And if they're the players yeah. you ideally want in your overhaul draft, having a few extra transfers to ride other players for a couple of weeks to then move back to the players you actually want. You can't do that if you... It's a good point. And then the, that idea of those four or five transfers that you're holding back for this end, you might want to do something like that at the other end, mightn't you? So say, for instance, like you said, you've got, um, let's say England go deep or whatever, and you want um, Kane and whoever's playing well for England. And you're not going to want to pick them in, the, in your overhaul, but you're going to want them soon after if the fixtures are good. That's when you might do something like that at that end where you go four or five bank, you know, after three or four fixtures. So it's really interesting about transfer usage this this year. It's, it's going to really, um, it really puts the cat amongst the pigeons. It really kind of tests people's um, styles, I think, you know, knowing what my style's like, knowing what other, you know, hold up kind of player styles are like. It's going to be really interesting. I don't think it's, it's unprecedented, really. So that's good. I think I've learned, I'm, I'm definitely of the mindset front run is the way. Because get too far behind, you can't catch up. I think 25 yeah. to 30 transfers is fair enough by World Cup overhaul. Um, yeah, in yeah. terms of transfer strategies, are you what, what were you like last year in terms of taking a defender out for a striker? Or did, did you always move like for like? Or did you feel like you gained a lot by I found it quite bizarre? People were doing like for like changes and then like the Discord things or like WhatsApp groups and thinking. You know, you don't have to do that. I think it's that kind of mentality about, about keeping that that formation or whatever. Um, no, I think I was pretty good. Um, I think in my first season that I I ended up with a lot of midfielders half the time and said it wasn't very good. I ended up on 3-4-3 three, three a lot. And in that first season, it wasn't a, a it was clearly the wrong formation long term to be in. I actually was in I had a lot of midfielders last year, I think they did quite well. Um the biggest uh, head fuck, aren't they? Though I think you, you, yeah, so you got did well out of Saka, you did well out yeah. of Bernardo Silva. Anyone that had Foden and someone else in those blocks of games would have done, yeah, a point worse or something, wouldn't they? For yeah, I was quite lucky. I think th th there was a lot of kind of we might touch on price points, but I think there's a lot of price points around some of the, the medium style midfielders around eight point somethings and. They were quite easy moves to eight point something defenders, like your Chelsea defenders were quite underpriced in a lot of lot of ways. Um, so like I think um Silver was 8.6 and the midfielder would be 8.6, like Saka or something like that. So there's quite easy moves price point-wise from midfielders to defenders last year. Um no, I was happy to move anyone around, whoever I needed to move around, I, I would move around. Um obviously you don't want to be caught in a difficult formation for too long. Um Something like a 5-3-2 is an awkward formation, even though I think it's probably the most optimal one to play this year. Um, and a 3-5-2, you know, is quite a difficult one as well. I think as long as, long as you can manoeuvre, and if this is about long-term planning as well, it doesn't matter what formation you're in at the, that given time, as long as you know you can get away from it because you've planned ahead to get out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite keen to go 5-3-2, but have enough expensive defenders that allow me to get to 
a good striker, let's say a Tony or a Wilson yeah. or a Watkins, not someone cheaper. So I don't want five, three, two with too many seven point something defenders. I don't think there's actually that many this year, to be honest. But yeah, um, I think there is a bit of a template forming that's allowed for that, isn't there? I've seen a lot of teams which have got like Cancelo, Van Dijk, um, and then a spread of of other uh, defenders in a five, and with talk of going, I can move Cancelo or Van Dijk to, to a top end striker, or, or you know something like that, which make does make sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm going to learn my lesson this year, not to fuck around too much with mid with mid table teams, but slightly bottom half teams, should we say? I I too, own too many players amongst those teams. Again, yeah. maybe a crossover from FPL where there's three players per team permitted only. Obviously, Sky, you can have eight Liverpool players if you want. Yeah, I I, I knew that existed that I could have more, but I never really took advantage of that. Um, too. I know there was chunks of the season where people had three Chelsea defenders, for example. And I didn't have any, I don't think. And I think I, I, you, yeah. you want all your players from the top six, I think, if you can get... I know there's exceptions. Uh, there'll be some players cheaper. I've got Brendan Johnson at the minute, who I think is not bad, 7.2. I think he'll play up front for Forrest. I think he's one of the better, cheaper mids. Um, Bubaka Kamara, Villa, I think he's under 7 million. He'll be a DM. One of the players I spoke about doing well for me last year will get a steady collection of tackles and passing, I would expect. So there are cheap options there at teams that will probably finish in the middle somewhere. Maybe not in Forrest's case, they might even be down the bottom. But I, I think Brett Johnson playing up front will probably justify that price. But yeah. I, I need to get more top-end players in my team compared to what I had last year. So that's a, another lesson for me to start off with. Probably yeah. enough Arsenal, Liverpool and Man City, I think, for, for, for the opening couple of game weeks. Yeah, I mean, the season before last, like pre Sort of post overhaul, second overhaul, it was um, it was ridiculous. It was how many Man City players could you fit in your side? I think people were six, seven Man City players. It was when they went on that ridiculous run. Um, he couldn't do when he was flying, wasn't he? Around yeah, there. and um, there'll be times in the game when you're, you're going to want to do that, perhaps towards the end, perhaps just before the first overhaul, perhaps in big chunks of the game where you've just kind of, you know... The, those those kind of moves pay massive dividends, you know, block defences. Um, in my B team, I'm planning on doing a lot of block defence moves. Um, plan to use quite a lot of transfers in the, up, to World, up to the World Cup on block defence moves, really. And I'm trying to think about if that's a, a, a kind of little in towards, you know, scoring scoring heavier in terms of use of transfers. So, yeah. I need to do more of that. That's a learning for me. What are you making of this five subs rule? Is that going to make you pick different players? Do you think there's less emphasis on the wing backs and stuff this year? I, th- I've, I think I've perhaps over- overthought it. Um, I certainly, when I first thought you mused over, I was thinking there's going to be times when players are on close to tears and they get hauled off, um, mainly midfielders. Because um, normally, you, you know, in any in any game of football, you normally the, the defence is something that hasn't really changed much. The centre-backs, for instance, unless there's an injury, often the centre-backs aren't taken off, are they? Unless they're actually having an absolute stinker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think more so now than ever, I think centre-backs' expected minutes might might peak beyond any other position in the game. They might have done already, but what I mean is that the rest might drop down slightly, even more. Um, How many players hit passing to sort of 80, 83, 84, 85 minutes? I'm guessing it was more common than you think when they crossed the boundary into the next passing tier bracket, sort of. Yeah, I mean, like 20 minutes to go. It just depends. I mean, Van Dyke hit 100 passes sometimes, didn't he? Like, he was well over 80 half the time. So some players can can get it. But but normally, normally it would take a fair, fair chunk of time to get there. Um, you know, take. I was often watching passing in some games, you know, as sad as it is, you will be watching passes, uh, stats right up into to the 90 <laughs> minutes of some games. And some games you were bang on where you were going like, I'm not sure if he hit 60 or 70 there um, at the end of the game. So it just makes me think certain certain defensive midfielders, let's say, for instance, the game's nil-nil or the losing one-nil, and they might be a possession-based side and, you know, someone's on like, you know, two or three tackles, 50-odd passes, and then an attacking substitution needs to be made, then I think a couple of things are in threat. A defensive-minded midfielders might be in threat or other attacking players might be in threat. Do you know what I mean? You might swap your Jesus for a Mares, for instance, like last season for Man City. So I don't know if that's an over overthinking of it, but I certainly think it might have a bit of, bit of an impact. 
I wouldn't be surprised that at some point in this this season there'll be a point where I go, oh man, he was on 55 passes and it's been dragged off. It's going to happen, isn't it? You just think it's going to happen. And I think um, you're attacking players, wide players, whether full-backs, wing-backs, um, defensive-minded well, players. have got to be the biggest candidates to go off. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it'll be forwards. And it might not even be a big factor. Maybe we're all overthinking it, or maybe I'm overthinking it anyway. And it might not be as big a factor. My take is goalkeepers obviously won't go off. I don't think centre-backs will go off barring injury. Maybe if they're 2-0 down with 15 yeah. minutes, one might go off. But on the whole, they won't. I don't think teams will change both centre-mids. That sort of engine room and spine of the team, I think, will yeah. be held. So I think one one centre-mid at most will go off. So you've already got four positions there in, in a team playing four at the back that won't move one CM, two centre-backs and a goalkeeper. Only leave seven spots for five transfers. I would imagine... They won't take off both fullbacks in the same game either, again, for continuity. So I, I think you're looking at basically six positions for five transfers, one fullback, one centre mid, and the four at most attacking position. Yeah, so, exactly. So it might be just a case of what we already know in this game, which is the centre-backs in possession-based teams for the premium teams that can score goals, get passes, get clean sheets. Um, it just means that if it does have a negligible effect on all the other positions, it just makes them even more of an appealing prospect. So I think at the very least that's true. Um, or it could bear out that it does actually have a big effect and you start seeing like five subs. I was thinking the other day, who's going to be the first player that gets subbed off? Who's going to be the first sub that gets subbed off next season uh, for a tactical Arsenal reason? Palace. Is it going to be Arsenal Palace? <laughs> we go on. Is it, oh, oh, Martinelli is the obvious candidate, isn't he? Could be. Someone's going to get subbed on and subbed off, not for being injured, but for a tactical reason. It's going to happen, isn't it, I reckon? So we'll have to see what happens. Someone comes on at half-time and rubbish. I've got five centre-backs. I said last year I owned too many centre-backs, prioritising tiers over attacking returns for wing-backs. Would, would I, I feel like I'm going to fall into that trap again, but with the, the hindsight of the subs, I think I've got extra reason to do it this year. So it's not that I haven't learned my mistake or learned from making a change to my strategy from last year. I wouldn't say it's a mistake prioritising the centre-backs. I prioritise the wrong ones, like Christensen. Yeah. Um, you weren't yeah. the only one. I had Christensen for a long for long chunks. But it's coming back to that thing that once you know he's not the player, just move on quick. Even if you've missed out on a week or two of, of all other managers' points, you just can't be thinking like that. you just got to get on him um, and just take the hit on the chin. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go with, with the 5-3-2. Five, five centre-backs, sort of three of... A reasonable price, say Romero, an obvious one, 7.8, maybe another one around that sort of price. There's, there's some options, I think. Um, yeah, Cancelo is, a, is an awkward one. I think he's quite expensive, but obviously he was probably the best defender in Sky last year, wasn't he? So it's, un- it's understandable with him. Yeah. If it feels like in FPL, Trent's by far the best defender, but in Sky he's not. I even think in, in Sky, if Trent and Van Dyke were the same price, I'd still maybe favour Van Dyke for the extra minutes and the more reliable passing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. It's not that, is it? That Trent's far and away the best defender, even at 0.5 more than anyone else. I think he's still the best the best defender. Where so is it Cancelo in Sky? I don't know. He didn't feel like he got that many attacking returns last year. Maybe his numbers promised it, but he didn't really deliver that many attacking returns. He was still the best defender in Sky. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I still haven't worked out if he's essential in a team yet. No one is, but do I? Is that someone I should definitely have? Um, last sort of question. We've got, we kind of touched on price points, but we can talk a bit more about that. But say, what was it last year that got you a top fifty rank and me eighteen hundred? You had a little bit more luck. I don't think your engagement was any better than or worse than mine. I didn't miss a captain day. I didn't do silly things like transfer a player out um, on a Friday before his game on the Saturday. I didn't do any sort of those rogue moves. Mm. I think I was fairly, I, I think I, I always remember to make my cap, like set my captains. I always remembered to make transfers within reason. I didn't do any, completely forget to make transfers. Um, and yet I've probably finished probably about three, 400 points behind you and 17, 1800 places. So that can't all be down to luck, yeah. can it? No, I think it's probably down to what we've already discussed. I think it was the fact that I planned to be aggressive, you know. Um, so I was very engaged. Um, 
I did long-term planning and I planned to use transfers. I planned to be aggressive as much as possible. Very much kind of points on the board, let's do it. And I did get the points on the board and it worked for me. You know, I could have quite easily been, you know, sub 500 rank with like 10 transfers left with 15 games to go. And that would have been the end of my season. But Did you do it in both your teams or just one, that strategy? You know what? I let my second team go far too early. I finished with 18 transfers with that team. Um, and I think I finished inside the top 5K. I let it go far too early because my other team was clearly going to be the one that was going to finish higher. Um, I kind of let that other one slide, really, which is a bit silly, really. Um, I'm really hoping I can be a bit better at managing two teams this year. Um, but I think it's going to be quite hard, particularly if you're thinking about, right, I'm going to use one team as an aggressive, high-octane high transfer usage and the other one's going to be a bit more cautious. I think it's quite hard to, to do that dual thinking in this game if you're not inclined that way. Um, I had so the I opposite I'll, problem. My two were both super, like, close together all the way through. Yeah. So I didn't want to make the same transfer in both teams. So I kind of identified two players who I wanted and picked one in each team. And invariably, yeah, one yeah. week I got one right in one team and one week, next week, it was the other team. And that's probably yeah, why I never yeah. made the ground up because it was too, it was yeah. too difficult to try and offset both. So I think, think I'm going to be aggressive with both, but just aggressive in a different type of way. I've got a kind of a bit of a rigid plan for my second team, certainly initially, and see if it works. Um I'm going to do some block defensive moves in chunks of three or four games. So I'm going to like move on three or four players from the same team that I'll have from the start, like an Arsenal back three or a, or a Spurs, perhaps like goalkeeper Romero and Dyer all together, uh, wait for their fixtures to turn, pick three Brighton or whatever, something like that. And it's all going to be kind of that second rung of teams, if you, if you like, or at least players from teams that, I know can hit tiers and just do some block moves and just kind of have a bit more of a bit more of a gun midfield and, and strike force. That's 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 kind of my little tactic for one of my teams. My other team will be very much kind of like you've seen on on Twitter: five three two, lot of the same team. Jesus up front, Cancelo, Salah. You know, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. But I'm planning on being aggressive with both teams, but for. If you can have that mentality to to you know save up transfers with one and be aggressive with the other, and, and you can have that dual dual way of playing, then fair play. You know, I think it was quite tough to do that. I think. I think that's what I'm. That was my initial plan with my second team: make it a bit more of a dead team, see where we get to. Not completely fifty transfers left to overhaul, but yeah, forty. But yeah, I shouldn't really do that because it didn't work last year. So I don't know why I'm fooling myself that it'll it'll work this time. Um, I haven't got anything else written down for, for notes here, Benno. So I've got some takeaways. So I think there's a few things I'm, I'm a bit clearer with in my head of what I should what I should be doing. Um, so in my case, be more aggressive, especially at the start. Maybe be a bit more considerate with price points around moving positions within the same price point. I don't think I did that very well last year. In my case, don't mess around too many transfers with mid-table and lower half teams. Don't be making chains, I don't think, with players for weak teams. I'm sure there'll be a couple early on that have got okay starts. There'll, there'll be a, if you look at like FF stuff or something, there'll be a few three-for-ones that are flagged up on there. You look at it, if that don't look too bad, but you say, as an example, picking Brentford players or Leeds players or Wolves players or something in a three-for-one, and I don't think they're the teams to be messing around with. Um, so I'm going to try and do less of that, which is what I ended up doing the second half of last year, just because I had the transfers and had to use them. Yeah, it didn't work. So that's a learning. Um, and yeah, have, have the sort of elite premiums from the start rather than trying to be a smart ass and think I can make up their points in other ways, like captaining Van Dyke over Salah, which I don't yeah. I'm sure there were odd weeks it worked, but on the whole, it didn't. That's it. And there's a, there's a couple of other things as well, I think. Price points is really important this year, or it's interesting at least this year. I think the fact that you know you you don't really have that the luxury of doing an overhaul quite early that um, perhaps having that structure price wise early, earlier on is it might be quite key. I think a lot of people are looking at um, one really cheap mid, pondering whether they're going to have a cheap keeper, um, and you know having to offset that against like perhaps having a lower price strike as well. So I think, think people are thinking a lot about price points this year and I think that's going to be a big factor. Um, another thing I was going to say was, was the art of skipping. 
So obviously a big thing in this game is knowing when to skip a fixture. And if you think about having 50 transfers and also looking at some of the single game days up until the World Cup, it's really interesting because there's some stinkers, isn't there? Some really not very uh, nice appealing games in terms of single game days. And um, But not in a Forest Leeds is one in the mid-September or something. Like it's a bit... A bit advanced. Yeah, there's a let there's less than Man United is one as well, isn't there? So I think you know, how are you going to really have a player like that that's going to be sticking in your team long term? You know, you're going to get to that fixture and the most managers are going to go, right, who am I going to get? Vardy and Man United are playing well, I'm going to get Bruno in or whatever. And uh, do you really want them in? Like, you know, uh, and it's the art of skipping is is massive. I think um knowing when to skip a game is 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 huge. And I think the compulsion would probably be with 50 transfers. There's no need to do it, um, and maybe that is the case. Maybe, maybe there's no need to, to to decide to skip games so early on in the season. But you just never know. I mean, some of these games, or the, if you can make a judgment call about, you know, you've got twenty matchups, haven't you? Or sorry, yeah, you got how many match? Yeah, you got twenty matchups in twenty teams. I mean, that's right, isn't it? Or no, it's nineteen matchups. That's it. Um, so you've got to make some choices around what's actually a good or a bad game, no matter when it is in the season, um, or a good and a bad player, whether you actually want them stinking up your side and things like that. So I wonder if people are going to be um, brave enough or forward-thinking enough to go, you know what, it's game week five, I'm going to skip this game because it's one of the, the worst on the rung of 380 fixtures that we've got. Do you know what I mean? That Forest-Leeds game is quite a good example of this. So they play on the Monday of game week six, yeah. yeah? So Forest on the on the Saturday of game week five, we've got Bournemouth at home. So it's obviously quite a good game for, for Forest, yeah? yeah but yeah. numerous teams play twice between that Bournemouth game and when they play Leeds. So, for example, West Ham have, um, just looking at it now, Brighton have got Leicester and Bournemouth in between Forest playing Bournemouth and playing Leeds. Yeah. It's not likely to run up, if you do own a Forest player for that Bournemouth game, which you probably won't because they've got Man City before that. But if you wanted to get a Forest player in for Bournemouth, you're not going to want to probably hold them for Leeds because other teams have got two matches in between. In some cases, two good Chelsea have got West Ham and Fulham, for example. So you're, you're not going to want to hold the Forest, really. For Leeds, they've got that Monday game. Uh, but, sorry, Forest again, but on, on the I'm, I'm getting my teams mixed up here. But once they play that Leeds game, Forest, they've then got Fulham at home on a Friday. It's only one of two games. So they play Monday, Friday, when obviously a lot of teams haven't got a game. But it's yeah. Forest. So do you hold a player through that? That run of three, Bournemouth, Leeds, Fulham, is really good. And it's probably two captain days. You could easily captain a Forest player at home to Fulham and away to Leeds. Yeah. But sure. do you want a Forest player for those games? <laughs> is everyone going to be well, piling into Brendan Johnson at 7.2 in the hope that, I suppose he's not bad as a cheap, if you have him as a cheap enabler anyway, you could just hold on to him through them three, couldn't you, or something? Yeah, I think in that situation you've painted there, I think you do it, don't you? I mean, because you're looking at five, five fours, aren't you, instead of three for ones, because you're actually thinking about captaincy as well. I think I think in those situations, that they're, they're, they're a bit of a no-brainer, really. Well, Villa have yeah, got Southampton, is the other Friday night yeah. game that um, Forrest have got Fulham. So you might yeah. want to captain a Villa player against Southampton that day. So the captain's not nailed for the, for the second one, but... It's those games in isolation that are the ones, aren't they? I mean, there was ones involving Watford and things like that last year that <laughs> you know people were getting king in and things like that. And yeah, I did that. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 just knowing when to do it or whether you know you have to. And it's all based. It's all relative as well. You know, if you've got plenty of transfers in hand, sometimes it's worth to even knowing it's a shit game. Going, well, I'm going to pick someone this week. Or if you haven't, you just got to know when to do it. And I'm just wondering whether looking at some of these early fixtures, whether, you know, um, you're going to be brave enough to go, that is a shit fixture, I'm going to skip this game. So probably not with 50 transfers. You're going to want to, you're just going to want to steam into as many games as possible this year. It's going to be really, really interesting. I think, I think um, transfer usage and points on the board by World Cup is going to be really, really interesting. Um, Personally, I don't think you can make a lot of ground up. There's, there's too many teams will be too alike after the World Cup. Agreed. I think, I think that's what tends to happen. That um, overhaul, but the thing is, the overhaul is quite early doors. That isn't again. It's all very different because obviously the last time the overhaul is more than halfway past the, 
the halfway yeah. point in the season, whereas now you've got kind of 50, 58% of the game. It's got a long way out from the end. Um, but agreed, I think there'll still be a bit of a, a template. Um, there'll be a template of players that, you know, everyone will have from the premiums and then maybe a nod to the first seven, eight games after after the World Cup. Um, and it might be difficult to, to manoeuvre past that. We'll see. It's going to be really interesting. Really looking forward to it. Um, and I just hope it wasn't the fluke last year. So I'm just going to obviously just try and try. If I can finish top 100 again, I'll be absolutely over the moon. But we'll see. I've got a top target now. I've been speaking to you for a year and a half. So I've got all your learnings in my head. Um, and you finished top 50 in your second season. So the pressure's on for, for, <laughs> for top 50. But yeah, thanks for that, mate. Uh, hopefully we've given, not advice, but some things to think about, not just when we talk about all the players and the, the possible three-for-ones and stuff, etc. There's, I think the thing is about chatting about players now is that you, you, we could chat about players and they wouldn't even make our team by Friday afternoon. It's, it's, <laughs> it's constantly changing, isn't it? Um, everyone's talking about the same things. Which of the enablers are the ones to pick? Um, you might have one in each team. You might get them both wrong. You might get them both right. It's just the way it is. You've got to see what where we get. People are going to be making those moves early doors if you get them wrong. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff out there that's that's talking about that. Let's hope we do three or four of these over the season. Obviously, the purpose last year was me for playing first season was learnings for me being a complete rookie. Yeah, I'm not a complete rookie now, but I'm, I'm hoping that people are playing for the first time. Obviously, there's a cash reward for this one, unlike other games. So there may be a few more um FPL type players that have been drawn across thinking it's worth it. Um, so hope, go back and listen to our pods from last season. They're still on the channel. There, there might be some interesting stuff, um, tactical yeah. and strategy-wise in there that does cross over. Um, Say so I'm second season now, but I'm still very much call myself a rookie at this game. So I'm still learning. And so you're still learning as well, but we're, yeah. we're not of us are experts that have played for a long time. Um, I think what's, what is really good about this season is it's a bit of a brave new world. Never been like this before, you know, never been 50 transfers, never only been one overhaul. So, you know, everyone's on a kind of a level playing field in some respects, you know. We'll, we'll try and catch up again, sort of game week nine, game week 10 sort of time. And yeah. by then you'll have 30 transfers left and I'll have 45, no doubt. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. catch up again. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, mate. Um, we'll end it there. Um, yeah, good luck, everyone, for Friday. Don't forget to pick both your teams. Don't forget to set your captains for Friday, Saturday and Sunday because you don't want to make that mistake in game week one and miss out on a captain because you probably will be 10, 20 points down the drain if you forget to set three captains. But that's the, the big lesson, I think, for new players. It's not a captain for the game week. It's a captain for the game de- uh, for the match day, day of the week. So you want players that play Friday, Saturday and Sunday and preferably a good one that you're happy to captain. So there's a... There's a little bit of advice there for new players. But yeah, until next time, cheers, Benno. Speak to you soon, mate. Nice one. See you later.